Well, hey, everybody, it's your boy, Dr. Mark List here, back at you with another episode of the Primate Care Podcast. Uh, before we get to it today, actually, our episode uh, topic today came from the at gmail.com. Uh, Alex, a listener, uh, we are going to uh, talk, uh, we're going to read his email uh, in a little bit. Um, but if you want to have any uh, topics that you want to talk about, uh, anything that you think would be a good topic to bring up, uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring it up in the podcast uh, eventually at some point when I get to all these topics. Uh, but if you have any questions, concerns, things that you want to talk to me about, uh, reach out to me at primarycarepod at gmail.com. Uh, but today, before we do any of that, we are going to start again with a joke from the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox. Uh, the episode, uh, the uh, joke is, hold on a second, let me pull it up here. All right. My friend couldn't afford to pay his water bill. So I sent him a get well soon card. That's it. That's the joke. All right. Let's start the podcast. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views, policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back to the Primary Care Podcast. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List, here at the Primary Care Pod. Uh, today, we're going to hit another episode, uh, hopefully another short, sweet episode. Uh, this one actually came from a request from a listener, um, Alex, like I said in the intro. Um, he says, uh, good morning. My name is Alex. I'm an NP at a nonprofit clinic in Atlanta, Georgia. Our patients live 200% below the federal poverty line and have no health insurance. Many of them are trans, are very transient and have been homeless at one time. I really enjoyed your podcast. Oh, I know. I, I, it's, isn't it great? It's so it's so great. How short and sweet they are, recommendations are. Um, it is challenging to, feel like to finish up the guidelines, so I find your discussion is very informative. I have a topic request. Can you expand more on the guidelines, evaluation of proteinuria, ACR, uh, albumin creatinine ratio, and, and protein creatinine ratio, nephrotic syndrome, and the effects of type 2 diabetes and hypertension on proteinuria? We have a couple of patients with FSGS, polycystic kidney disease, and obviously have most patients with type 2 diabetes and hypertension. Sometimes it feels like 50% of our patients are spilling protein now, and access to a nephrologist is extremely limited. Thank you again. Now, Alex, I obviously am not a nephrologist, um, but I, I do have a, a passion for this topic because it is one of these things that um, is very, very important. You know, as diabetic, as more and more Americans get diabetes, and as a population of diabetics gets older and larger, we see an increasing and increasing proportion of these patients developing pretty significant chronic kidney disease. And up to somewhere between 25 to 40% of all diabetics will eventually develop some form of advanced chronic kidney disease related to their diabetes. And for the longest time, right, uh, in residency, early in practice, really the only thing that primary care clinicians were really focused on was that albumin to creatinine ratio, uh, you know, the, the, the quality metric of, are you a good primary care provider? And, and here to, to, to be a good primary care provider to deal with diabetic kidney disease, it's once a year, check this albumin to creatinine ratio, right? And if it's above 30 is kind of the, the general guideline to what we talk about being A2 uh, microalbumin, albu, microalbuminuria, uh, putting them on an ACE inhibitor and ARB. And if they are diabetic and they're already on ACE inhibitor and ARB, then you get your, um, you get, you get credit for it. And really it was only, um, that's, that's really all the recommendation is. And, and that's it. And, you know, just like all other quality metrics, it scratches the surface to what it means to truly take care of primary care clinic based diabetics 
with uh, preventing chronic kidney disease. And there's nothing wrong with those metrics at heart, right? Uh, checking a once yearly albumin to creatinine ratio and ACR and having and seeing what the value is has value, right? So, um, you know, the national kidney uh, experts talk about there being A1, A2, A3, about how much protein you are spilling in your urine, right? If it's under 30, if the ratio is under 30, uh, either it's normal or, or mildly increased is under 30 milligrams of albumin per gram, right, of creatinine. And so it's not till you get to 30 to 300 that you get into A2, and then above 300 milligrams, right, uh, uh, with your ratio is considered A3, which is severely increased. But that's just one important measure, right? Because as part of your evaluation, you should also be checking a serum creatinine, not just, you know, the urine creatinine ratio, but as part of that, getting a BMP, a basic metabolic panel or a renal panel or a chem seven or whatever your clinic calls it, right? But a basic metabolic panel, because calculating your GFR is also incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. There's a heat map, right? Uh, that was uh, um, uh, formed from the uh, Kinney International uh, Society. Uh, hold on, I got to get this uh, exact uh, time. Uh, so this is the Journal of the International Society of Nephrology uh, in 2007 put out this heat map, right? Um, and and I, uh, when I had reviewed this a long time ago, there's a uh, basically a table and it has A1 in one column, A2 in the next column, A3 in the next column, okay? And it talks about your risk and of prognosis to chronic kidney disease, okay? About how much you need to be worried about in your diabetic patients based on their GFR and based on their albuminuria. And why do we care about this? Well, not only does this predict progression to chronic kidney disease, predict progression to, you know, some of these significant kidney issues that are gonna shorten these patients' lives and make their life incredibly complicated and difficult, but then also it's important because albuminuria specifically has a high correlation to macrovascular complications, right? Heart attack risk, stroke risk. Um, and that's the part that a lot of people miss. We talk about, oh, diabetics, and we're going to check albuminuria so that way we can you know, monitor and make sure that they're not going to progress to chronic kidney disease. But that albuminuria also is a very good predictor of the heart attack risk, right? And th there's a very good correlation between worsening albuminuria, higher albuminuria rates, and higher rates of atherosclerotic, atherosclerotic coronary vascular disease. And so it's a combination, right? And in this heat map, I, I want to call it a heat map, you know, for a patient who even has, you know, uh, a, a GFR and that kind of that stage two chronic kidney disease, uh, where it's just mildly decrease, as long as they're not spilling a ton of protein, you're, you're still in a good sense. You're in the green, and uh, you know, as they call in their heat map. For, so you have a limited prognosis uh, or a, a really good prognosis when it comes to not likely to progress to chronic kidney disease. But as soon as you cross that 30 barrier on your albumin creatinine ratio, as soon as you get past that 30 mark, right, everything is yellow. Even, even a stage one chronic kidney disease, right? Even a GFR that's 60 to 90, right, um, is in yellow. And as you go down to stage three, stage three B, stage three three A, three B, three uh, you know three four, or start stage four, stage five. As you go farther and farther down, that color, that intensity, that risk just goes up and up and up. So it's not only just important to think about the albuminuria, but it's really important to kind of to have that GFR right in in addition to that albuminuria because you can have a normal 
albumin ACR. You can have a normal albumin level. It can be under 30. It can be at, you know, single digits even. But if you're starting to see a GFR around 45, you are in trouble. You're already in danger, right? And so, you know, the guidelines would say if there's any albuminuria, if it's above 30, or if you're starting to have chronic kidney disease, uh, diabetics should be on ACE and ARB. Thankfully, they're both cheap, right? Lysinopol, Losartan, uh, incredibly dirt cheap, uh, easy to take for most patients, very minimal side effects. And even lower doses have significant benefits, even compared to, you know, not being on anything. And for patients who are, you know, transient, who don't have the financial means to take care of themselves, these are usually reasonably affordable medicines, in addition to like metformin and some of our cheaper statins, that can do a, a good combo, right? And I, you know, I, I trained at a federally uh, at a federal health center, um, and uh, same thing. We had we had the exact same problem where people couldn't afford, you know, expensive medicines, which we're going to get into in the second part of this. But those are some big wins, right? Um, Granted, sulfonylureas are, aren't great for diabetic management. We've talked about uh, diabetic meds, oral diabetic medic medication management earlier uh, in this year in 2020, um, maybe even in 2019. Uh, but that's a good review to go into. Sulfonylureas have tons of issues, hypoglycemia, weight gain, but they're dirt cheap. And so in this population, you know, it's it, it's a it's an, an additional tool in the toolbox to lower um, to lower their um, A1C. So how do we how do we treat this as primary care clinicians? Right, we've talked about monitoring. We've talked about keeping an eye on that albumin-creatinine ratio uh, to to not only look at their progression with chronic kidney disease, but also worry about their progression to cardiac disease and stroke risk. And oh, and by the way, why is that? Just pop quiz. Uh, it's because that that albuminuria represents endothelial cell dysfunction, and so if you're starting to get that. Uh, glucose-related changes to the endothelium in the kidney, spilling that protein across, that also means that they're having endothelial uh, disruption in other places, classically, uh, around the coronary arteries to, you know, and peripheral vascular disease. This is a lot of these patients, you know, with diabetes or even non-diabetics who are spilling protein, oftentimes with chronic kidney disease, also have poor uh, circulation, have peripheral artery disease. So again, endothelial dysfunction, the same thing we're talking about with COVID having endothelial dysfunction. So again, all related. So what can you do? We talked about ACE inhibitors. We talked about ARBs. Those are very, very good tools. Number two, get the A1C as low as you can without having significant hypoglycemia or negative impacts. Not easy, Definitely a challenge, especially in patients that can't afford some some of the nicer, newer medicines. But oftentimes it just comes down to time spent with the patient, education with the patient, a team-based approach where it's not just you spending all day every day with these patients, but also having diabetic educators, having nurses, having uh, you know caseworkers coming out there, making it a day-to-day discussion about food being a cure as much as uh, as much as medications. And yes, uh, food in this population, especially in the underserved and the poor population who live in food islands or sorry, food deserts, food islands. <laughs> that sounds like a fun place to live. No, food deserts where you can't get good, healthy food uh, and you can only get uh, inexpensive food. Um, but again, maybe talking about lower carb diets, uh, even in places where you can't get access to good fruits and vegetables and healthy foods, talking about lower carbs and educating on what that looks like, even in an unhealthy diet, but at least it's it's fewer carbs. And and uh, so in addition to an ACE inhibitor and ARB, uh, watching the A1C, getting the A1C as low as possible without negative side effects, 
getting blood pressure low, right? Under, uh, you know, pretty pretty tight blood pressure control can also be really, really helpful at pre preventing not only the albuminuria, but also the progression of chronic kidney disease. Finally, some of the newer diabetic medications uh, we've talked about on this uh, podcast before. We have entire episodes on SGLT2s, for example, um, a three-part series. SGTLD2s are, are a, you know, have, show great prevention of chronic kidney disease. Excellent progression of chronic kidney disease, uh, just as good as ACE inhibitors in lots of cases. Now, I don't know how you can beg, borrow, and steal to get uh, SGLT2s in the hands of your, you know, people who are, you know, transient or possibly homeless or, or incredibly poor. Um, again, in patients in, in my region who have certain insurances, we are now seeing good coverage, right? Medicaid, Medicare, uh, our ANAWA medical group, um, healthcare insurance providers uh, are now providing um, some of these SGLT2s for very reasonable, and you just have to make sure you choose the right one. But SGLT2s, again, a great way to prevent and reduce albuminuria and a great way to prevent and reduce uh, progression of chronic kidney disease and, and, and keep their GFR good. As primary care clinicians, we talk a lot about adding pills and adding pills and adding treatments and doing these things and aggressively treating blood pressure and diabetes. But one other big thing that everyone can can really benefit from is having a discussion about what not to do, right? Because almost every one of these chronic patients, and I, I do basically chronic internal medicine based practice, even though I'm a family physician, I see a ton of, you know, older patients who are dealing with, you know, blood pressure issues, cholesterol issues, uh, diabetes. But again, reporting to them how important it is to keep their, you know, Pain levels are under control all naturally, not taking NSAIDs, not taking, you know, your ibuprofens, not taking your, your, uh, you know, your Aleves and other things. The importance of reducing total body inflammation, however they can get that with exercise, with stress management, with healthy diet, with, uh, you know, making sure they're getting good quality sleep, avoiding, you know, drug and alcohol and things like that, that could, that could in, in, increase the amount of inflammatory response their body has switching their medications to avoid nephrotoxic meds, being more uh, flexible when it comes to, uh, again, in this podcast, we talked about for your joint pain, for your, for your chronic pain people, can you somehow get them into physical therapy? Can you somehow get them those, you know, modified shoes like we've talked about in the past through physical therapy? Uh, is there a program that you can work with? Is there a program that you can get these patients uh, to get diclofenac gel or your topical NSAIDs? Because topicals, while they're still an NSAID, have significantly lower rates of a bloodstream, uh, you know, passing through the bloodstream and then affecting the kidneys higher. So there, we talked about on this podcast multiple things that aren't just like adding a pill, that could have significant benefit, at least in reducing the harm, right? So, so adenase inhibitor uh, or an ARB, think about an SGLT2 if you can have it. There's maybe some data on GLP-1s being beneficial, but again, I think that's probably more the diabetic improvement. Uh, you know, treat the diabetes, treat the blood pressure, and then really, really, really stress the importance of clean, healthy living, exercise, weight loss, all those good things that reduce that body's inflammation. Again, we've talked about in the podcast before, adipose tissue is pro-inflammatory. So, all healthy lifestyle changes, even though it feels like you're beating your head against a wall, is far more important than most of the things that we are going to prescribe with number needed to treats in the hundreds, right? Reducing somebody's weight, improving their exercise capacity, improving their blood sugars, improving their, their uh, blood pressure are, are far more valuable even than SGLT2s, which have really great data, right? Um, reducing that body total inflammation, getting them to stop smoking. We've talked about that in multiple episodes as well. 
even though it feels like you're beating your head against the wall, if you can see 20 people on your schedule a day and you get one person, one person to lose that weight, right? That 10% of their body weight, 5% of their body weight. You get one person to sleep better. You get one person to stop drinking pop. You get one person to stop smoking. Even if you fail the other 19 times, you are doing so much benefit for that person in ways that pharmaceuticals cannot do. So uh, this is kind of like your pep talk on chronic kidney disease management, right? Uh, You don't have to be a nephrologist. You do have to be a good primary care doc. And the better that we are and the better we are at that basic fundamentals of preaching the basics time in, time out, even if they don't stop smoking this time, you lay the seeds and the foundations for the next three-month visit for them to come in and they stop smoking. You, you hammer at them to start exercising, and maybe they don't do it now, maybe they don't do it at three months, but maybe they do it at six months. You've probably done more for that patient by having them work on that, reducing their body inflammation, losing weight. That's probably going to improve their A1C. It's probably going to improve their blood pressure. It's probably going to improve their kidney function. It's probably going to improve their uh, endovascular, uh, you know, uh, function, your endothelium. All, all because you kept pushing them, you kept encouraging them, you kept at it. So I know this is kind of like rah, rah, sis, boom, bah. But, you know, we all know basically ARBs, ACEs, if they can afford an SGLT2, great. Uh, treat their A1C, treat their blood pressure. But don't forget the basics in this population, right? Don't forget the basics and don't get overburdened. If they fail... They're gonna fail. You're gonna fail. Um, if they if they don't follow through this time, they might the next time, right? I celebrate when a patient comes in. They say, you know what? I stopped smoking. I celebrate that more than getting an A1C under seven, right? Because those are the wins that you have to live for in your life, in your clinic, in your work, and then you have to make sure the patient knows how insanely valuable that is for them. So um, again, hopefully this was a good, very brief, very high level discussion about primary care management of chronic kidney disease in diabetes, uh, microalbuminuria. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully it was, again, a good review. Um, Again, I can't stress how important the the basics are, and I know it's frustrating. I know it's overwhelming. I know you think that talking about these things don't matter, but these are the things that actually save lives, Um, and they're free, you know. Uh, So uh, hit me up again at primarycarepod.gmail.com if there's another another topic you want to discuss. Sorry we were on a two-week sabbatical. Uh, I, I mentioned I had, had to serve some time. Uh, I, I went and did a, uh, a week in the hospital, and when I'm on hospital census or when I'm doing hospital work, um, I just didn't have the uh, time to do a podcast episode. So, um, again, appreciate all the, the, the listens, uh, the, the emails, the comments I get, the text messages from uh, those of you locally who know me. Um, it, makes a, it makes a big uh, difference in my motivation uh, to, to jump on. And, uh, again, this has been Dr. Mark List with Primary Care Pod. Reminding you all out there in primary care world, the work you are doing matters. It is important, it is valuable, it is life-changing to these patients. And a reminder, you don't need to stay up to all night to stay up to date. Thanks and have a great week.